Good morning. Now on Radio Three, Hong Kong Heritage with Annie Marie Evans. Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, where I join singer and producer Anders Nelson for a tour of Chimsa Choi, where he spent his childhood. The son of Swedish missionaries Anders Nelson came to Hong Kong 73 years ago at the age of four. In the 1960s, he achieved fame and musical success with his band, The Continentals. <laughs> has continued in the music and acting business. We started off at the YMCA, headed on to the Haiphong Road, temporary cooked food hawker bazaar for milk tea and noodles, before heading down Haiphong Road towards Chunking Mansions, as Anders told me about how the Continentals played at tea dances, and the bands who came in did concerts, and then later at night would let off steam at the Highball Nightclub, or the Bayside, in the basement of Chunking Mansions. The YMCA really played a huge role in our growing up in Hong Kong. I know some people are disappointed the old building is gone, but the new one is magnificent. I'm Swedish. I love the recycled wood and the architecture in the lobby. It's, it really is worth dropping by to have a look at and stone and even planters made from a solid chunk of a tree trunk opened out and filled with plants it's definitely worth a look so how was the ymca part of your childhood anders it was the first ever place i'd seen a movie a film they had saturday night films in there i think it was called an assembly hall there was a a great hall with a small stage and they showed movies. I remember old black and white horror movies, vampire movies from those late 50s. And then swimming, because they didn't have a swimming pool in those days at the school, KG5 or Kowloon Junior School. So we would come to the YMCA for swimming lessons. I think my first exposure to some of the local sort of tang type of dishes were served in the cafe here. Things like French toast, saidosi. Was that really French? Do French people use peanut butter on bread with lots of butter? And well, if they it, don't, they should. Yes, they should, you know. Very unhealthy, of course. It was probably three million calories in one chunk of bread. I'm pretty sure they had that. And they would have things like, you know, you know fried rice, the traditional Cantonese-style fried rice. I'm sure that was on the menu. So Anders and I have just walked a little way away from the YMCA. There's an old man sweeping and we're just sitting amongst some benches between Nathan Road and Ashley Road here in Chimsa Choi. So the YMCA was really a fundamental part of your childhood with 
learning to swim, going to vampire films. Yes, even a barber shop and a bookshop. I'm pretty sure we got our first exposure to the famous Five and the Secret Seven and Biggles, you know, those 50s adventure books. Yeah, I was great. So the YMCA is a big part of your childhood. Also, I mean, just to set the scene, you're the son of a missionary family. And as such, when you were alongside, when you were going along to the YMCA, you really saw some different kind of scenes accompanying your father. Oh, absolutely. He started off as, I guess, what you'd call a preaching missionary in Sha Tin on Daofung Shan back in the day. But in, I think it was 1959, he was transferred to the Lutheran World Service, which worked almost exclusively with refugees, setting up things like rooftop schools. And he worked with Elsie Elliott, among other people, helping children's charities and educational efforts. So when you're saying about the rooftop schools, these were often morning schools or afternoon schools, and they were for the tens of thousands of mainland refugees coming in uh, in the early 50s onwards. So you also, when you were seeing these rooftop schools with your father, you also saw some of that public housing. Yes, it was not a pleasant thing to be living in a shack on a hillside, being fearful of fires, gas canisters exploding, and that sort of thing. And there have been some huge fires. Uh, By that time, we lived in Kowloon Tong on Waterloo Road. And I remember when there had been a big squatter area fire that we took in people, whole families, in the parking area of the flats we lived in, just out of emergency. So yes, emergency situation, as you say, and having to deal with tens of thousands of people coming in. So when you were at YMCA, what is our route today that sort of retracts some of your childhood then? Well, going past my very young childhood, which was spent mostly in Shatin on Dofengshan, but from 60 to 63, I would have been, you know, in my middle to late teens. And my family was posted to Penang in Malaysia. And we were given a a trip to check out schools and living quarters and so on. And I was in my first recording band, semi-professional band. I took one look and said, this is very nice. I love the beaches and the mountains and the snake temple and the monkeys. But... I'm in a band and I said, Dad, I want to stay in Hong Kong. So that was with the Continentals? That was the Continentals. You come here at age of four, your formative years, absolutely, your entire childhood is spent here. So by the time that your parents are leaving, you're really a Hong Kong boy. Totally. You know, we'd had a couple of visits to Sweden. I'd seen a white picket fence. I'd seen snow for the first time. Uh, That would have been when I was maybe three and a half. And then in the mid-50s, when I was maybe eight years old, met grannies and other relatives. But my heart was always and still is in Hong Kong. This is home. Where are you off to take me now? Okay. (laughs) The Haipong Road, temporary market and food. I think they call it the cook food court. That's been temporary. The cook food market, yeah. Yes, for as lo- almost as long as I can remember. 
And when I lived in Chimsajoy, I can't swear that it was there, but there were Dai Pai Dongs, street stall type foods, and I loved that. And, and you know, some were in the alleyways between Chungking Mansions and the next building. I think that was the Imperial Hotel and various alleyways. I still love going to the Haipong Road Temporary Market. I'm wondering how long this temporality is going <laughs> to last. Is that a proper word? Um, you know, we'll use it. <laughs> I, I hope it, it goes on forever. Okay, so what do you fancy having? Uh, you know, what, what would your usual go-to food be? Well, there are a lot of go-to foods, but my test for any new place that I go to is the Gon Chao Ngao which is directly and translated dry fried beef flat noodles you know, ho fun that is a test, if they pass that test then that restaurant is okay. So should we go and have a look? Yeah, come on We're just going on along one of Anders' shortcuts and what have we got here? It's a watch repair and sales shop Si it's the chunky antique watches. Antique watches so it's been yeah. this is a little booze. Oh, it's been here a long time. Yeah. I I remember it from way back. This gentleman sells watch straps. He repairs watches. He sells antique watches. Oh yeah, you've got watches uh, that you can just put on your. What do you call them? That you put them on your. If you're wearing a waistcoat. Yes, uh, right. <laughs> uh, this Chinese is called topiu. You know, it's uh, in your waistcoat pocket, as you said. Very old school. Yes, the whole shelving, but, uh, everything is old. I'm fairly certain this is already second generation that this gentleman has been here. Yes. I have memories of bringing a watch back in the probably mid-60s and having it fixed or cleaned. Old-fashioned watches, they, they take the back off, clean it and then oil it. Happy to see that it's still here. I'm fairly certain it's second if not third generation. So we're just heading to the Haiphong Road Temporary Cooked Food Hawker Bazaar. And that looks a very modern signage, a good right. structure. And also, I always love these red ceiling lamps. Right. Now, before they built this garden, this was like the back entrance. And you'd have to enter through the market on Haiphong Road. But since this little sitting out area, and really... Mr. Government, Mrs. Government, whoever is listening, let the people sit outside and eat. Al fresco. Shall we go in? So what we're going into now is a whole, you'll imagine, in a cooked food market, lots of round tables and also the red stools pulled up, red and brown plastic stools, the overhead fans, lots of buzz. So this is doing a very busy trade, Anders. It's full most of the time. It's uh, afternoon tea time. And frankly, I've, I've never really seen foreign, European, American-type tourists here. It's maybe not the kind of thing they look for, but certainly Southeast Asian, mainland China, they congregate here. So it's basically all around us, along with the red lamps that I was describing. I wonder if I one day will need to have one for my flat. <laughs> um, but it's got all the different stalls around lots of plastic stacked up cups we've got the uh, chopsticks and everything in a, a big red plastic mug here and uh, of course all your condiments and soy sauce so we just talked about my go-to dish i've actually had before but it was so good you think you ought to test it again uh, not testing it i you know the lady 
that gave us the table. I mean, this is fate. We've got my go-to table, oh, even. So I will order that again. Okay, I'm going to have a look at the menu here. So just a, a quick look at where, where we are is the Waheng Yun. And as Anders said earlier, he's going for the beef flat noodles. And of course, you've got the, the standard fare of fried pork chop with its secret recipe. So I'll have the egg noodle. What are you drinking? What are you having? Milk I'm tea. having milk tea. I'll have milk tea. Yeah, lai cha. Yeah. Do you know, it was only recently that I realized, you know, I've heard more about how they create the, the lai cha by putting it, you know, mixed blend of tea. There's, there's such a process to it. Have you never donated one of your silk stockings to a restaurant? <laughs> That's what they use. Really. You put all the tea leaves into a nylon stocking and let it drip through that. Amazing. It makes all the difference. <laughs> so is that what you wanted? Yes. It was an alternative. They sold out of the type of noodles I wanted. So I'm getting different noodles in a soup, which is also great. So the milk tea's arrived. Yeah. Uh, needs a bit more sugar. So yes, I think, yeah, it could do with a bit of sweetening up. Enjoy your noodles. Thank you. Yeah. So, Anders, we just we just caught the end of tea time there, didn't right, we? Yeah. Because right. we it really. We got, we got my usual table, even. <laughs> yep. Had some good noodles. And now we've come out the back of right. where, where everybody was eating, but this is obviously all still part of the. The temporary market yes this is the market end of it yeah. which faces onto Haipong Road and you can buy there? Yeah. oh uh, various desserts very typical very Hong Kong part of our heritage dessert and various condiments and the kind of sweets we would get as kids yes. various nuts and wamui do you know sour plums dried oh, sour wonderful. plum yes, yeah. yes. and ginger oh. candy right black right. sesame yes absolutely all the and best stuff purple potato and milk balls yes <laughs> and behind you various libations crop herbal you know, almond fig tea. Have you ever had almond no. fig tea? No. Is it good? Oh, yeah. And osmanthus? Osmanthus, yeah. So what do you fancy? I <laughs> need something for heat in this. You so this is wonderfully typical. You've got tangerine peel, red bean dew, luohan guo tea, almond fig tea, licorice hawthorn, black plum dew, winter melon, oh, winter melon jobs tears water, corn whisker water. <laughs> Obviously, I'm basing that on the translations. And black sesame dew, vanilla mung bean dew. So what did you get? I got a vanilla mung bean dew. What do you recommend for me? Okay, I'm having it because it's soothing for the, the throat. Well, that's good while I'm and interviewing you. Yes. yes. Okay. So the osmanthus tea is also very good. Oh, that looks good. So that's pumpkin snow lotus seed sago dew. That's quite a pudding in itself, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Let's it's give that one a go. <laughs> oh, I love a bit of sago. So we've got, our, yeah, we've got our drinks. And then yeah. there's some more puddings here. Yeah, we've got bean paste pastries, water chestnut pudding. Right, all kinds of local, very local. Yes. In my case, memories of childhood local yes. desserts. Black sesame rolls. Right. Oh, they're oh, great. Fantastic.
All right. All right. Let's move on. Thank you. Bye-bye. It being Saturday, sort of late afternoon, a lot of the stalls in the actual market are closed already. But they have flowers here. I love the old red baskets here. Oh, as yeah. Well. Great. Uh, rattan plus yes. bamboo. Would you believe it? I have my original cat basket made of rattan from 1972. <laughs> never, never, ever even thought about throwing it away. How is your cat? Oh, they're fine. They're oh, fine. There. Oh, of yeah, course, you had, you had Dragon. Yeah, Dragon, who's a girl, rescued from outside where I live. And it's a Chinese tradition. When a female child is born weak or sickly, it's a tradition to give that child a very masculine, tough name. So I named her Dragon. Right. And of course, she's a direct descendant of Bruce Lee, Little Dragon, Lei Xiulong. And the younger cat, who's a boy, his name is Unicorn. And Bruce Lee's best friend was Unicorn. So it's all family. So we're just going through flowers, mm. flower oh, shops. Oh, smell that. Yeah, still oh. open and lots of Just can inhale that. And there's some orchids. Right. Oh, lovely. In fact, oh, wow. No wonder yes. I'm getting so, so much uh, aroma is that there's not just one stall, but there's a, oh. we've really hit a little flower market here. Lots of stalls here, yes. Oh, that's great. The smell, the smell is, isn't is it wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. A real mixture of lilies and roses and you name it. Sunflowers. Yes. What's next? Well, I thought we absolutely must visit Chungking Mansions. Not only because it's a Hong Kong icon and uh, a landmark. You know, Chungking Mansions is the most multicultural little corner in the world. Yeah, I mean, Chunking Mansions, built in 1961, and of course, mm. you knew it in a previous... I mean, these days, we, we would think about the fact that it's often accommodation for backpackers, but as well as the eateries and the shops that we know, back in the early 1960s, right. this was the home of the Bayside. The Bayside was the go-to nightclub in the early 60s. The original building was actually the Chunking Arcade, and it was built and owned by a Filipino businessman who then redeveloped the site and built the present tower. I think it's about 16 stories. I'm, I'm not sure. So there's about five towers, isn't there? Yes. Uh, yeah, there are various towers, but they're all pretty much one building. Yes. But it was a huge nightclub. It occupied the whole basement and it had an inner corner, a members-only inner sanctum where they played jazz. And... Uh, I was actually too young to go in there, but they let me in, never checked my ID. I saw some amazing jazz players jam there back in the day, because artists would come in, maybe perform at the City Hall or the State Theatre, which was at the time before the City Hall was the go-to place for international concerts, classical, jazz, whatever. And the bands would want to find a place where they could hang out and get it out of their system. Yes. Not just backing Sammy Davis Jr. for an hour and a half, but to go and get into some real jazz. It was amazing. It was... But did you play later at the, at the Bayside ever? Oh, we did, yes. my band, As the Continentals? The or... Continentals took part in the early 60s Hong Kong version of Hong Kong's Got Talent or wherever's Got Talent. It was called Talent Quest. 
and the boss of the Bayside actually came in backstage at the city hall and somehow had heard about us and approached us and said, do you want to play at tea dances Saturday, Sunday afternoons? And at the Bayside? At the Bayside, yes. And of course, if we accepted that, then we would have to resign from the talent contest because you couldn't be professional. So we did that and I think we were the first band to play tea dances there. So what, how would a tea dance work? It was the only time really when the younger generation, teenagers, who were not 18, could go and dance to their heart's content. And, and what it, was their food or it uh, was uh, drinks? Or? There would be soft drinks, no alcohol was served during that time. That was not allowed and that's why the kids were allowed in. And they would do the twist and the mashed potato and the boogaloo and a lot of nightclubs all the way from North Point over to Mong Kok had these tea dance sessions. And uh, what did the Bayside look like? It was sort of pseudo-Spanishy looking. The stage had a couple of stucco decorated arches and a stage with a piano. The rest of it was wrought iron chairs, the sort of chairs you'd have in a hotel banquet facility, wrought iron with, with a pad to sit on, and they served dim sum. And for $3.80 from memory, you'd get one basket of dim sum and one soft drink. And you had a choice of cola and a Sprite-ish, 7-Up-ish type drink. And if the Continentals were playing a session, right. uh, how, how long was that? A couple of hours? Or? It would be a good three hours three from hours, 4 yeah. to 7, 4, yeah. 4 to 6.30 with a couple of breaks in between. And they were packed, absolutely packed. We were then headhunted by a dairy farm-owned restaurant two blocks up Nathan Road in Manson House, it was called, called the Golden Phoenix, which was uh, considered much more upper class. It was packed every weekend. It would have been 64, 65. I turned 18 in 66. We're just walking along the side of Kowloon Park, yes. along Haiphong Road, and uh, we've just passed one of those stalls that sells everything from bits of seafood on a stick to bubble waffles. In the Bayside, do you remember what other bands used to play? Almost everybody. Uh, Fabulous Echoes played there, Joe Jr. with his sound effects, the top notes. A lot of bands, especially from the Philippines or who had Filipino members, would spell their names D apostrophe whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's very Filipino. The top notes are interesting because the father of most of the members came down from Shanghai where he was a band leader. Famous. Was it their brothers? Uh, brothers and sisters, yes. But they had two non-sibling members. One was Joe Jr., who's still a famous singer in Hong Kong to this day. And a Chinese lead guitarist who also played with me later in the 60s. Just about everybody had played there. We're just on the corner of Humphreys Avenue, which sort of carries on from Haiphong when it crosses Nathan Road. On that corner is Manson House, still there where the Golden Phoenix was. And there were actually several nightclubs above and below each other. So Manson House is still here today? Yes, it's still there right across from the mosque 
and the Chim Sa Choi MTR station. And there were several nightclubs in that building. But you remember the time of the nightclub, the highball? The highball sticks in my memory because they had some great shows, imported shows, Latin American, you know, Cuban. I'm fairly certain I saw Trio Los Panchos, which is a famous vocal trio from the olden days. And that was wonderful to watch. And they would subsequently, after they finished their show, probably at 9.30, sometimes they did two shows, but they would end up in the back room, which was the little jazz venue, which was the inner sanctum, inner corner of the Bayside. It's almost a secret. Most people didn't even know about it. And how these musicians knew about it, you know, there was no internet. There was nothing, but they knew. And the captain or the, the hostesses who would bring you to your table, they would know, oh, inside, inside. You play jazz, oh, inside, inside, you know. <laughs> at the highball? I'm fairly certain also, apart from Trio Los Panchos, that Mongo Santa Maria and his band had so performed. So conga players? Well, Mongo Santa Maria was a world-famous conga player, and he had other percussion instruments and piano and bass and everything else. It was a fairly big band. But I remember someone saying, hey, let's go to the Bayside. Mongo Santa Maria and his band, they're going to jam. had an amazing life and seen so many things and my first boss when I was 16 going on 17 had a record company and a record bar in Chongqing Mansion. A record bar? A record bar, yes. Tiny, uh, it had a uh, literally a bar with three sets of headphones and only sold singles, seven inch singles. It involved everything that you can imagine in the record business. But if you had three sets of headphones, uh, they were for the customers? Yes, for the customers. So they could pick out a uh, single from a spinner. Uh, you may see them to this day with postcards and uh, SIM cards and that sort of thing. They would pick out a single and it would say, uh, you really got me by the kinks. Say, oh, never heard this song, can I listen? Put it on the turntable. They would listen on headphones. So it's an early. I mean, I did that at HMV, but not. Uh, I probably was doing it with CDs. Likely, <laughs> yeah. likely. Not 78. No, this wasn't 78. Oh. Singles were 45. 45. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to leave that in and not edit. Yes, leave that in. Yeah. <laughs> I used to go down to Canton Road when it was still a uh, pier and pick up boxes of these records. When it was still a pier. Yes, when they'd been shipped in, and I would... And where would the records be coming from? Mostly from the UK, or from Dum Dum in India, where several record companies shared a record pressing plant in it... Dum Dum. And I'd get a, a rickshaw, 
and we'd pile the boxes, cardboard boxes of singles onto the rickshaw. I would run beside the rickshaw all the way from Canton Road round to Chunking Mansions. I unboxed them, put them up on the spinner, noted them down. We relied on these records taking months from Southampton or Liverpool or Hull or somewhere and coming across the sea round India and through to Hong Kong. So they took months after they'd been released. The 